How are you guys doing? Good. You know, as a visitor coming in, I always like to um, introduce myself a little bit first. I went on missions uh, to Cambodia this past summer. And that's one helpful thing that I learned is to always start with an intro. Because I went with a team, and I was the preacher, but we went to these big churches full of uh, more uh, older congregation. And so when a girl like me walks up there, (laughs) they're probably thinking, what is this girl doing up there? Who does she think she is? By what authority is she coming into my church and talking to to me? And so I learned after a while that I need to give them a brief intro so that during my message, they're not spending so much time wondering who I am and why I'm speaking and this mic on their pulpit uh, and that they can focus. And so to give you a little bit of a testimonial background of myself, I grew up in a non-Christian family. Um, Before coming here to Korea, can anyone, I'm going to let you guess what was my previous profession. Fashion, modeling, anything else? (laughs) Scientist, thank you, James, thank you. Thank you for not just judging my outer appearance. (laughs) But you know what? I was totally a pageant girl. Some of you guys are thinking, I didn't even know that was a profession. But I actually funded half of my college years through being in pageants. And it's actually a smart way, a smart profession, because I was able to make money without actually working. Besides a few pageant practices, that was all. And some girls, they actually sponsor four years of college, 40 grand a year through pageants. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, I met God at the age of 20. I always kind of describe my encounter with God uh, by relating it to Paul and Damascus, uh, Paul's conversion experience to Damascus. If you guys don't know Paul and Damascus, he was, Paul is the guy, okay, that wrote almost all the New Testament. And he was a persecutor of Christians. He didn't like per- Christians. And so he was going to Damascus and then one day to persecute Christians. And then one day a bright light hits him. He falls to the ground. He gets up and God speaks to him. And then he goes, who are you, Lord? And in a similar way, when I was in New York City, um, I wasn't a persecutor of Christians, but by no means was I, a, did I like them. And I was crossing the street one day and I got completely smashed by a cab. And I, f- I hit my, I hit on the side and my whole Uh, body flew up and my head smashed into the windshield. I flew off and I landed on the ground. And when I was on the ground, a bright light similar to what the Apostle Paul experienced came upon me and I heard a voice and I said, who who is that? At least the Apostle Paul knew it was the Lord. Who are you, Lord? I was like, who who that? (laughs) But that's kind of it. And it took me about a year to find out that that was Jesus. And when I found out it was Jesus, that's when I gave my life to God. And uh, I've been going hard after the Lord for about six years now. So some people can probably call me a six-year-old Christian. But I really believe that whether you're a month-old Christian or if you're a 40-year-old Christian, nothing disqualifies you from testifying about the goodness of God. Amen? And so some of you might be wondering, well, how did I get here to Korea? Okay, I'm, I'm Chinese-American from Seattle, Washington. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, about five years ago, I came here as an exchange student. How many of you guys are exchange students? M- large, large majority of you. I came here five years ago as an exchange student, just like you guys. It's an Emmaus, kind of an Emmaus student. I was in and out. I'm so glad that you guys are faithful. And, uh, you know, I came here for maybe some of the same purposes that you guys came here for. New experience. Learn a new language. Get away from the old, like the boring life. Experience something new. And then like many of you, what really happened was it was an divine appointment for me to come here to encounter God and for him to transform me in a crazy way. Has that happened to any of you guys here? Yeah. God does that sometimes. And so when I was here in Korea, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Met my spiritual mentor, who is now my spiritual father, Pastor Christian. If you guys uh, know of New Philadelphia Church, you would know who that is. That's the lead pastor. And uh, I returned home walking in signs and wonders. And then about three years later, Pastor Christian, three years, about a little less than three years ago, Pastor Christian, um, I was called out here by God through Pastor Christian to get trained up as an intern pastor. So that's what brings me here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Christian, he's someone that I honor a lot. Uh, and he's really mentored me through a lot as well. And so a lot of what I'm going to be teaching today is part of my inheritance, meaning it's a lot of what I've learned from him. Okay? And so before we get started, let's bow our heads in prayer. God, I pray, Lord, for your equipping spirit to come down upon this sanctuary. And God, I pray, Lord, that your presence would fall powerfully here at Korea University, specifically here in this large group, specifically upon each and every single one of the students here in this room today. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about languages, specifically the gift of tongues. Now, this message is called Tongues 101. And the reason why I called it Tongues 101 is because like a first-year language course, this isn't going to be comprehensive. Okay, this is going to give you the basics about tongues and let you know why it's important to know it. Okay, if you guys want further teaching on it, make sure to come up to me after and we'll talk. How many of you guys love languages or maybe have come here to learn Korean? You guys taking Korean classes, some of you? Yeah? I really like languages. There's two reasons why I really like languages. One is I love being able to communicate with people in their native tongue. Now, another reason is I hate feeling left out. (laughs) And so when people are communicating in a different language that I'm not familiar with, I always feel like they're talking about me. And so that's actually how I started to learn Korean. I went to a university called University of Washington for a few years. And there's this place called the Red Square. And it's this open area, a large open area. And in this open area is is where all the Koreans congregate. 
I didn't know there were so many Koreans in Seattle, but they all are in this area called the Red Square. And every time I walked by, I don't know if it's because I was alone and they're all in little cliques, I don't know, but I always felt like they were talking about me. Always. And so I decided to take Korean 101. And that's how I started to learn this language. But what I found is I'm actually really gifted in learning languages. Not trying to boast, but in about just like two years, I was pretty confident at speaking Korean. And so I thought, wow, like, I think I'm pretty good at languages. And so, you know, I started working at a Thai restaurant, and I started learning Thai, and, and, and then I started learning Spanish, and I, and I got crazy, right? Buck wild with learning languages. And then, as I told you guys, I went to Cambodia, and I realized some languages are harder than others. <laughs> See, one phrase that I really like to learn is, this is delicious. Because I'm a big foodie. And if I tell them this is delicious, they'll feed me more. And so it's a very key phrase to learn. But in Cam- do we have any Cambodians in here? No. Okay, good. I'll try saying it. But if there was a Cambodian here, they wouldn't have known what I said. Because for some reason, delicious is so hard to say in Cambodian. It's something like, okay, something along those lines. Why don't we all try to say it together? Chingun. Okay, when I worked for a Thai restaurant, I always said this is delicious. How we say that is aroi maka. Can we all say that? Aroi maka. When we say it in, who knows Spanish? Spanish. How do we say this is really good? Está muy delicioso. Delicioso. I learned it. It's in me. When I go to New York City and I go to the subway stations and I read the the Spanish signs, I can still understand everything. I know it's in me. I just got to practice it. In Spanish, it's 맛있어요, right? 굉장히 맛있어요. Or Korean. And then how many Chinese do we have in here? We have some, right? In Mandarin, how do we say it? 很好吃, right? Can we all say it? 很好吃. Chinese is the most spoken language in the whole world. Did you guys know that? There's like 1.2 billion Chinese speakers. If you think about that, that's one-seventh of the world population. That's crazy. Sorry, my mic keeps getting caught on this. Now, not only is there over 6,500 languages, but that doesn't even include the different dialects. Okay, I myself, I speak a a different dialect of Chinese. I speak what is called Cantonese. And I actually think that that language should be its own language because it's very different from Mandarin. And so how we say, this is good, is (laughs) 好好吃啊. Can I hear you guys say it? For those of you who speak Cantonese in here, you're right? <laughs> See, it's impossible for everyone in this world to understand what each other is saying because there's so many languages out there. But I'm here to tell you today that there's actually one language, okay, that 
even if we don't understand each other, it doesn't matter. One language that is universal, okay, and this language is called the language of faith or more known as the gift of tongues. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you guys to turn to Acts 2, and we'll read from verses 1 to 4. I'm going to go ahead and read it for us, but please follow along. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, everyone say suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other, what? Tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Tongues. The language of faith. Have you heard of this language before? Some of you guys, maybe if you've been to New Philadelphia Church, uh, it's, it's a church that is very open to the gift of tongues, and so you would have heard it. But maybe before coming to this church, or maybe a church that does embrace tongues, you may not have heard it before. And so if you haven't heard of this language before, I'll tell you why. It's because we are in a generation where the church is convinced that this language has ceased. See, I told you guys I'm Chinese-American, right? I told you I speak a different dialect. So I don't speak Mandarin, but I speak Cantonese. If you guys know, Cantonese is a dying language. <laughs> it really is. Mandarin is taking over, and very little people, very few people, besides maybe in Hong Kong and Guangzhou, right? It, very few people speak Cantonese. And so when I was growing up, my parents made me go to Chinese school. And like when I went home, you're not allowed to speak English. Sometimes I just want to talk. Because I didn't want to speak Chinese. If you guys are of Asian American descent, you know what I'm talking about. There's something embarrassing about speaking your parents' mother tongue. I don't know. When you're growing up. But my parents, they made me learn it. They made me keep it. Knowing, number one, they wanted me to preserve their language, yes. But two, they also knew that it would be a great advantage to me when I was older. And now, I'm very thankful not only am I able, if I went into business, I could communicate with, you know, go to China, where one-seventh of the population is. Or I could go to, um, I, I could preach, you know, one of my dreams is to preach the gospel in Cantonese. It makes, it makes it possible for me. You know, I'm so blessed that my parents would cause me to know Cantonese. But in the same way that my parents were adamant about me preserving Cantonese, the same adamancy that church has to have in preserving the language of tongues. See, I, I was thinking about it. If you think about it, we said Mandarin has about 1.2 billion speakers, right? In this world, about 2 billion are Christian. Double the amount of Mandarin speakers. 
if every single professed Christian spoke in tongues, tongues could be the most spoken language in the world. We need to preserve languages because languages are beautiful, aren't they? Languages are beautiful. See, in our passage in Acts, um, the one reason why the church thinks that this language has ceased is because they think that that was a time for, okay, in the past, only in Acts, only in Pentecost. But what does Hebrews 13 8 say? It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that the same spirit that was working in the time of Acts is the same spirit that empowers us today. See, nowhere in the Bible does it say that tongues has ceased. So why is the church seeking to forget this language? Mark 16, 17, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. Everyone say, those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. How many of you know that those who believe is not just pastors, it's not just elders, it's not just deacons, but it's all those who believe? What's your name? Sarah, do you believe? Yes, that means it's for you. Those who believe. Not only does it say that tongues has not ceased, but it says it's for all those who believe. You know, I myself, I told you guys, I'm, I'm not that old of a Christian, but I never disbelieved in tongues. I, I kind of thought, oh, maybe it's not for me. Um, if I get it, okay, I'll get it. But I never actually desired it. But it wasn't until one day when I heard a pastor speaking, and he said that, that he went as far as to say that tongues is almost like you need to have it. And as a baby believer, I was thinking, Okay, I'm Christian. I have the Holy Spirit. If I don't have tongues, does that mean something's wrong? And so he had an altar call, so I ran up there. Acts 19.6, it says that when Paul laid hands, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. I thought that was going to happen to me. And it does. What did we read in Acts 2? It said that it came, what? Suddenly, Right? It does come suddenly. I've seen it come suddenly. You know, I asked our sister here, Irene, to come today. You guys may not have seen her. Make sure to say hi to her. Because at the, I don't know how many of you guys were at the churchwide retreat, but Irene is someone who received not only the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but tongues suddenly. And it was remarkable actually when i saw it i was like wow so that's what tongues of fire look like she received tongues suddenly and let me tell you she has a tongue that is beautiful beautiful and so i've been encouraging her you gotta practice it you gotta practice it and i knew i was gonna seek on tongues so i was like girl you gotta come get this teaching because she got it suddenly if you guys need a witness right there tongues comes Suddenly, see, we as citizens of heaven, it, languages take a while to learn, right? But we have an advantage as citizens of heaven. Hey, even though our earthly citizenship, maybe, you know, 
America, Malaysia. Maybe some of you guys are from Hong Kong. Some of you guys are from, I don't know, Canada, <laughs> Netherlands. Um, we learn languages according to our citizenship, but being citizens of heaven, see, we have an advantage where God wants to immediately download the gift of tongues into us. So we can get it immediately. We can get it instantly. But it doesn't stop there. We don't just get it immediately or suddenly. We can also get it gradually. So even though I went up for that altar call, I received tongues gradually. I didn't get it immediately when the pastor laid hands on me. I believe I got an impartation of it to believe and have faith that I have it. But then it takes faith to put it into practice as well. Even though Irene, she got it suddenly, she still needs to speak it, right? The way that I learned it is kind of like a baby learning a new language. See, when you learn different languages, you, you, you just listen to the teacher, right? And then whatever they say, you try to say what they say. And then when you go, you don't always have the teacher around, you know? And so you have to listen to videos. If you're learning Korean, you know, everyone tells you to watch Korean dramas, to learn Korean. Or it's one really bad advice that they give here in Korea. All Korean teachers say it. Get a Korean boyfriend. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but they always say that. Don't do that. But, see, when I learned tongues, I would just, when a pastor would start speaking in tongues, I would listen. Sometimes I would even write down, mnemonic, write down what it sounds like, and I would go home and I would practice it. I would do that, and I would, li- I would, I would, you know, look at pod, uh, listen to podcasts, and if I, if I caught them speaking to them, I'd be, ooh, and then I'd rewind it and listen to it over and over again, and I would, I would write it down, and I would practice it, and then when I was at home, I'm going to tell Sarah to get that song set up, but when I was at home, you know, language just doesn't stop in the classroom, right? When you go home, you have to do your part in practicing, And so when I went home, I would listen to um, music that comes out of churches that embrace tongues. And so if you find a church that produces music and they embrace tongues, you'll probably find an artist that sings songs. And it's not easy. It's not hard to find. Okay. It's normally called like spontaneous song or singing in the spirit, something like that. And so I'm going to have Sarah actually play one of the songs that I used to listen to to give you guys a taste of what it sounds like. And I would just lay in my room. And I'd just be listening, and as she's, like, shandalaying, I'd just be like, sure. And, then, and sometimes it sounded ridiculous. But, you know, I just wanted it. I wanted it because I saw the power of it. So I'm going to have Sarah play it.
<laughs> so I would just lay there in my room. I would listen to this, and I'd just be like, Shandarabasita. I would sound ridiculous. But you know what? As I began to keep doing it, keep practicing in faith, I started learning my own tongue. And I started seeing my faith, a new faith in me, start to build up. And as I began to get a new faith in me, I started seeing it manifest. So when I would start to pray, I did a lot of homeless outreach. When I would start to pray, I would see demons flee. Just like we read in Mark 16, 17. That those who get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they get what? The Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues and demons flee. I began to see that and I knew there was something changing within me. Something was happening. You guys hear me today? Daniel, you hear me today? <laughs> He's one of my faves. One thing that uh, PC says, which is an a, a na- analogy, I guess this analogy that uh, I like, is as we grow as Christians, we can't just depend on AAA batteries. That when the batteries run out, we need another AAA battery. But he says that we have to plug into the source. As it, when you, if you think of bigger electronic items, would you think of putting AAA batteries inside? The bigger we get, the more authority we carry as Christians, the more we need to start to be plugged into the source. And so whether you get a sudden burst of energy or whether you're gradually being recharged, okay, we need to be plugged into the source, and tongues allows us, is one way to plug into that source. Okay? So I'm going to talk about now three reasons why it's so important to preserve tongues and three reasons why it's so important to know it. The first one is that tongues is a language of faith. Tongues is a language of faith. It allows us to build ourselves up. Okay, this is where you're going to start seeing what is the purpose of this language. It's to build ourselves up. It's a language of faith. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. For any of you guys who have, have learned a language, you know that the biggest barrier to get past is speaking in public. You know that the biggest barrier to get past is speaking it out where people can hear you. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is the more you speak, the better you get. Isn't that true? If you guys are taking Korean, I know, I know how you feel. Maragishiam, I hated it. Reading, writing, listening, okay. But maragi? Oh, man, that challenges me. See, everything sounds right in my head, but when it comes out, the tone is just all off. I just don't get why. But we have to practice. We have to practice. You know, um, I'm Chinese. I said that, right? One, do you guys know the word King Wangjang? King Wangjang? It means like, you're the best in Korean. But because I had a Chinese accent, every time I would say it, I'd say, King Wang Zhang. <laughs> you know, and that's not even, that's a, it's actually a slang. 
So it's not even I'm saying something normal and, and I get it wrong, but it's like I'm bragging. I know this word, but I'm getting it. I sound so foolish when I say it. You know, and that, here's Korea Teakyo, right? Korea Teakyo. Teakyo, same problem. <laughs> Chinese, I was like, Korea uh, Teakyo. <laughs> you know? And my language partners would be like, yo, did you learn Saturday or something? I'd be like, no. But you know, even though they say that to me, I just kept on speaking it. I don't, I don't care. Because I know, because you know what? Now I can say it. But if I don't speak it, I can't say it. You guys feel me? Just like it takes faith to start speaking a language, okay, it takes faith to start speaking in tongues. Now, some of you guys, some of you guys have it. You guys have spoken it before. You received prayer. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit. Maybe that was tongues. I'm not sure if it was. It probably was. But you have not practiced it. See, just like it takes faith to start saying it, it also takes faith to maintain it. See, I've been here in Korea for about three years now. And man, my Cantonese is so... Bad, you know, you just lose it. And and when my mom calls, it's so hard for me to talk to her. I, I sound like so foolish when I'm speaking to her. It's it's very similar. Some of the words, you know, the other day I was trying to I was trying to say elevator, right, in Chinese. And here in Korea, you guys call it singangi, right, singangi. Man, it sounds so similar to Chinese that I, I got so confused, messed up in my head when I was telling my mom. I was like, because in Chinese, it's sing gong gay. Sing gong gay. And so when I was telling her, I was like, sing gong ki. And she's like, what's wrong with you? You know, but I don't care because the moments that I get to talk to my mom is the only time I get to practice my Chinese. And so I just got to keep on at it. You know, so it just like it takes faith to start speaking in tongues, it takes faith to maintain it as well. And some of you guys are scared to speak it. Some of you guys haven't spoken in a long time. It's rusty, but we have to maintain practicing it. Why? Because it's a language of faith. It builds you up. And anyways, who cares if you sound foolish? Yeah, who cares? 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says that when you speak in tongues, you're speaking to who? You're speaking to God, not man. So Pastor Christian, he always says this. He goes, if someone is annoyed by you speaking in tongues, who cares? It's not none of their business anyways. Why are, they, why are you eavesdropping when I'm talking to my dad? That's what he says. But, you know, I'm going to take it one step further than that. I'm going to take it one step further than that, and that I want to submit to you that languages sound different to each person as well. While it sounds foolish to some, it doesn't sound foolish to others. You know, there's some languages that you just think is mad annoying. Let's be real. I won't say which ones. <laughs> but some people think it's beautiful. You know, Thai, I thought it was mad annoying when I first learned it. Every, oh, man, I thought it was so, like, nasally. Like, Mama, can't, you know? <laughs> but as I began to be around them more and more and more, I began to think it was beautiful, even when guys spoke it. 
See, at first, when Guy spoke, I was like, oh, sounds so feminine. Like, why are you nagging and whining? But now I think it's beautiful to the point where I really wanted to learn it, you know? And so it sounds different to each person. When I personally, when I first heard tongues, I was praying, and a, 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 a brother near me, when I was a baby Christian, started praying in tongues. I got chills. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's when I was like, wow, this is powerful language. I need to get this. I wonder how I get it. It's different. It doesn't sound foolish to everyone. Sometimes it does, and it doesn't matter. Okay. But to give you guys just a word of wisdom as well. All right. Just because we have the gift of tongues does not mean we go around and we just shandala, shandala everywhere we go. Because if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 4 to 5, it says that tongues is used to build yourself up. But even more than tongues, God's jealous for us to prophesy. Because prophecy builds up the church. See, when you speak in tongues, it builds yourself up. No one understands what you're saying, so it is kind of annoying. No, if anything, they feel left out, which is what you're saying. So we got to be careful. It's not to speak in tongues so that you can prove to people that you speak in tongues. But it's to, when you're feeling down, I don't care who's around me. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to intercede from my own spirit. You guys feel me on that? You guys got it? Yeah. Okay. Tongues is a language of faith. Number two, tongues is also a language of warfare. Tongues is a language of warfare. Tongues is a powerful weapon that we have against the enemy. Tongues is a language of warfare. Uh, Ephesians 6, 13 to 18, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you may al- already know it. It's about the armor of God. You guys know it? Armor of God. If, for those who don't know it, God talks about how we need to have be equipped with the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, Done? No. We keep reading to verse 18. A lot of us end there. Sword of the Spirit. I'm good. But 18, what does it say? It says, praying in the Spirit always. Praying in the Spirit always. See, sword of the Spirit is not our only offensive weapon. But we also have the ability to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the spirit is a language of warfare. See, in the military, they have code language, don't they? They have code language so that whatever, uh, whatever they're scheming, that if their enemy doesn't know, the enemy can't counterattack. But if that, if that code language is decoded, then it doesn't work no more. In a similar way, praying in the spirit is kind of similar to a military code language. It's a special language that you share with God. If you guys don't really vibe with the military thing, how, do, you, do you guys play? Oh, I know Daniel plays basketball. Anyone else play basketball here? That's the only one? I'll do it just for Daniel. But I, I used to play basketball in high school. And you know when you're, the point guard goes up and then they have to call out a play, right? They call it the play. But no one on the opposite team knows what that play is. You know, they might, I don't know why it was called horse, but when I was on the girls' basketball, high school basketball team, there was one play called horse. So I'd be a point guard, and I'd be going up, I'd be like, horse, 
you know? And then everyone on my team knows exactly what's going on and exactly how to score the point, but our opponent does not know. If our opponent knew, they could prepare for a counterattack. Praying in the spirit is similar to that. It's a code language where the enemy can't understand. See, a lot of us, we fear using this language because it sounds foolish. Because no one can understand. No one can understand. But you know what? I've found that it's such an asset that no one can understand me. If any of you guys know a second language, you know what I mean. And when you, you want to say something that, that you don't want other people to know what you're saying, I won't say anything bad. For example, like a, birth, a surprise birthday party, right? Surprise birthday party. Like the person's, the birthday girl's there, and they're like, I want to know where the cake is. Where's the cake? You, you go, you go. I go to John, I go, go <laughs> you know? And Chinese, that means, where's the cake? Where's the cake? But the birthday girl's oblivious. It's very helpful having a language that no one else understands. You know, I found this such an asset in evangelism. Uh, this is the first time I'm saying this on the pulpit, but I'm an evangelist. You know, everyone that has, ever since I was a baby Christian, everyone has always called me evangelist and I always rejected it. I didn't really know what it means. But you know what? More and more as I'm going Christian, I think I'm evangelist. And, and, and now that I, th- I, when I was preparing for this message, I started thinking back at, all the people I brought in church, I was like, man, maybe I am an evangelist. Back in the past, I used to bring a ton of people into the church. I would just pick them up off the street. It's a drunk lady on the, sitting by the railroad. I'd be like, hey, come on in. I bring them to church, and everyone in church is like, who is this lady? And, you know, being able to, I remember meeting this one lady. Her name was Maria. She was one of my good friends. She was, lived out around the streets. And uh, she had been raped uh, many, many times. She was an alcoholic. Uh, she had many lost children, and she just lived on the streets. And uh, I remember I used to, when I could find her, <laughs> I used to just drive around the railroad tracks, Maria. <laughs> and if I could find her, I would invite her into my car, bring her to church. But she was sitting there, and when I prayed for her, I'm not going to be like, Lord, I bind every single alcoholic spirit and, and every single, like, you know, demonic spirit that is upon this lady. I, I don't do that, right? But if I have a secret language with God, I can intercede. And nobody knows anything. Now, if you have a family member, a, a family member that's unsaved, and you bring them to church, that's the way you pray. You don't start praying, Lord, save them. Lord, touch them. Right? You want to make them feel comfortable. And maybe tongues doesn't make them feel comfortable, but at least they don't know what you're saying. That's my own little two cent. I don't know how biblical that is. <laughs> but I do that. I do that, and it ministers to people. See, the enemy, the problem is the enemy doesn't know this language of tongues. But the problem is he's always trying to engage us in conversation, isn't he? The thing is, we don't speak the enemy's language. We don't speak language of depression. We don't speak language of suicide. We don't speak his language that you're a failure. We don't speak that language. And I remember when I was in Japan... And I saw this little, this little child on the, on the side of the street. And I thought he was so cute. Japanese kids are cute. Yeah. <laughs> I went over there. He was all alone. I thought, I, could, I can't speak a lick of Japanese. I wish I could, but I can't. And I went up to him. I kneeled down. And he's alone. So I was like, hey. And I thought, you know, I'd get at least the typical Korean conversation. My name is this. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> you know? And I go down there. And I'm like, Hey. Like, what's your name? And he's just stone-faced. 
I go, uh, how are you? He's just stone face. You are so cute. And all of a sudden, it's like hell broke loose on his face. And he's just like, ah! and then he started screaming something in Japanese. And then I see his dad come running after, like running after. And I'm sure his dad meant no harm. He's just responding to his child. But I don't know. When you can't understand a language, you just get scared. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. And then I just ran off. But that's kind of, in a similar way, that's kind of how tongues works. You know, when the enemy, when he taunts you and he tries to confuse you, all we have to do is call upon God and the authority of God and the enemy runs. Tongues is a code language. We speak, and it's a language that the enemy can't understand. When he can't understand, it frustrates him. Our war language frustrates him. That's why it's very important to have this language of warfare. Okay, number three. Tongues is a language of prayer. Tongues is a language of prayer. Praying in tongues grows our relationship with God. Think about it. What's prayer? What's prayer? Someone shout it out. It's not, it's not hard. Conversation with God. We're just talking to God, right? But speaking in tongues allows a deeper conversation with God. And when you have deeper conversation, you build a deeper relationship. Uh, why don't you guys turn your Bibles to Romans 8, 26 to 27. We'll read that together. Romans 26, or Romans 8, 26 to 27. Ready? Spirit helps us. <laughs> Is it right? Romans 8, right? 26, 27. Maybe, I'm, maybe I didn't write down all of it. Okay, I'm just going to read it. Can you guys listen well then? <laughs> Spirit, maybe I paraphrased it, not sure. Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. He intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He pray, we ought to, when we don't know what we ought to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Have you guys ever been in a situation, a situation in your life where just you're either so happy or you're so distressed that you just cannot even utter words? I told you guys I'm pageant girl, right? You guys believe me. I can, you know, <laughs> do the whole walk for you and everything. But there's one, if you ever watch um, pageants, 
when the girl wins, without fail, they always put the mic like right in front of her face, like, how do you feel? And it's like the moment where she finds out all these months of training, she finally won, she can't believe it, and she's just like a mess. She's crying. She's like, I'm so happy. <laughs> and that's why we get such a bad repertoire. It's because it's like in our moments, you know, like question and answer is the most intense time sometimes we freeze up and then we answer a dumb question and then the whole world's like pageant girls are dumb (laughs) (laughs) but it's just the emotions that you're in that cause our words to trip up you guys know what i mean but god's saying that in those even in those moments you know pageants is joy but what about depression you know when you're just so upset and it it's all over your face and someone asks you what's wrong and all you can do is be like I don't know no seriously what's wrong it's been two days I don't know you know that frustration Romans 8 26 27 is saying even in those moments even in those moments when we pray in tongues God's able to speak to our heart. The Spirit's able to intercede our emotions and speak to God so that we can be strengthened and we can be encouraged by him, even in those moments where we have no words to say. Speaking in tongues is a language of prayer. And you know, like, when you grow in deeper relationship with someone, it's like even things that are unsaid, you just know. That's kind of how God is with us. You know, even when we don't, what we don't say, God still knows. You know that friend when you, you just tell by their body language. They don't have to say anything when you're in a good relationship with them. You know them so well that even when they don't speak, you know what they're going through. It's kind of like how God sees us. Tongues allows this with God. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you do have words. Some of you guys can talk no matter what. <laughs> maybe you do have words to say, but it's not in alignment with your heart. Huh? How are you doing? I'm happy, but inside you're depressed. You know, how are you doing? I'm joyful. I'm a joyful person. <laughs> but you're going through a tough trial. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> See, in Matthew 15, it says that sometimes we're like the Pharisees. We can honor God with our lips, but not with our hearts. But see, tongues, it allows us to bypass that. Tongues, when we pray in tongues, it allows God to connect with our hearts to encourage us and strengthen us, even when we put up a front. God sees right through it. Tongues can restore our prayer life because um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, it says that we have to pray with our minds and our spirit. If you're only praying with your mind, when your emotions get to you and you have no words to say, what happens? You stop praying. Enemy loves getting in the way of your prayer life. He loves attacking your mind so that your prayer life stops. That's his tactic. We know his tactics. We don't need to be scared of him. We know his tactics, and he's under our feet. But we have to deal in a smart way with him. And the thing that he does is he attacks our minds so that we are unable to pray. But if you are praying in the spirit... He can't understand that. See, when we pray in the spirit, it, it 
strengthens our mind to be able to pray words that people can understand. How can I better teach this? You know, one thing is when I'm, when I start hearing, when I start getting weak thoughts, you know, weak thoughts to me is, we all get this, no matter how strong you are, you know, you suck. (laughs) You know, you hear those words sometimes, you suck. And you know that's not from God. Because he he would never tell you that you suck. Even if you did, he wouldn't tell you because he loves you. (laughs) But when you hear words like that, you just know. And and then you start, you you never reason with the devil. And then be like, do I? Like, what way? Never. What I do, personally, this is is letting you into a little bit of my spiritual life. But what I do is I begin to pray in tongues. I start under my breath. They're not loud and boisterous, but, you know, I just start praying. And pretty soon, I, I trust me, this works. I, I forget. I can't even remember. I'm already on to a new thing, and the thought just goes away. See, God's he can, through speaking, he can strengthen your mind so that you are in a position to pray with authority. Enemy likes to attack our minds. But we have to make sure we're strengthening it with the, with the gift of tongues. You know, when probably one of the most extreme cases that you can see this in is if you guys have ever done healing and deliverance ministry, um, I, I don't know, I guess college students, maybe not. I, I used to go out to the streets, and in, in the streets, there's a lot of demonized people. It's real. It's real. If, you, if you've never seen it, it's, sometimes it's hard to believe. I, I understand, but it's real. And when I used to go out on the streets, I remember there was this, uh, I told you guys about Maria, right? Maria, I just love her. And I would just go look for her all the time. And uh, I remember um, there was one day where we had breakthrough. We were just sitting on the side of the road, just worshiping together. And I remember I, li- I felt the spirit of God. And so I lifted my hand and I began to sing. And I remember Maria, like a child, she's a lot older than me. She's like probably in her 50s or 60s. Um, but she she followed me and she lifted up her hand and she started worshiping with me and we started seeing how great is our god and i remember she just started crying and crying and i looked over and i was so blessed and i looked at her and i go maria this is the presence of god and then all of a sudden she just like like something came over her and she goes no you know and then i was so what's going on and then if 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 you've ever seen someone that's demonized they speak gibberish They kind of bounce back and forth, and it's because the enemy, he's gotten in control of their mind so much, they have no control of what they're saying. You know, so they kind of sound a little bipolar, like, who are you? And in those moments, we don't talk to them. So I was like, what's wrong, Maria? And she's like, there are seven of them. I'm like, seven of what? Seven demons. And mind you, this is a, this is a, um, a lady on the street that's never been in church. The fact that she says that shows that their demons are real. And I remember... Like, tell me how you feel. She just, I just couldn't talk to her. Couldn't talk to her. And what does it say? When we don't know what to pray, we pray in the spirit. When we don't know what to pray, we pray in the spirit. And I remember I began to pray in the spirit under my tongue, not to scare her. Just, Lord, you know, in my, in my spirit, I'm thinking, Lord, tell me what to say. Let me know what's going on. Give me visions. Let me know what's going on in her. What's going on? Who are these demons? Are they fleeing? And I remember I was just praying in the spirit near her. And she's like, one's gone. One's gone. One's gone. 
I just kept praying in the spirit. See, when we start praying in the spirit, God, the enemy, the, he doesn't understand that authority and he flees. You know, five, four. And, you know, sadly, I wish I could tell you that every single one of the demons left. But by, like, the third demon, I, she just, like, literally her whole body got up and she just ran away from me. And I remember feeling, like, so hurt. Like, you know, that's the, but that's the earthly, earth, earthly emotions. Oh, man, why she leave me? You know, but <laughs> sitting on this street near all these drug dealers all by myself. But, but you know, if, if that happens, if they're not ready to let go, the body will go away with the demon. But you know what? The enemy flees when we pray with authority, when, when we intercede the will of God. Amen. language of tongues is a prayer language i'm gonna maybe invite up johnny or maybe sarah uh, well maybe johnny can come strong while sarah sets up um i'm gonna close soon but are you guys convinced that this is like a gift that you want Man, I'm telling you, when I began to tap into this gift, when I began to learn to speak in tongues, like, at first, I sounded so foolish. I only knew a few words. Every time, I was just like, shada, 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 shada. But it's like a baby, you know? Like, when the baby speaks, even though they sound, they're not making sense, you don't laugh at them. You, you know, that's kind of how God is when he sees us trying to speak. He's like, oh, so cute. Keep speaking, keep speaking. You're going to learn. You're going to learn. I'm going to teach you more and more and more. I'm going to teach you more and more and more. And so even though it may sound like that in the beginning, you're going to learn more words. You know, you go to, for me, I, you know, I went to different ministries and I learned different things. But you're going to start to learn more. And the gift of tongues, it's a, it's a gift. It's a, it's a gift that God chooses to give everyone. He doesn't pick and choose. I want to give this gift to this person. I want to give this gift to this person. When you have the Holy Spirit, God, all those who believe, he wants to give you that gift. See, on my birthday, my dad, he gives me a gift, not because I deserve it, but simply because I was born. God wants to give you this gift. It's a language of faith. It's a language of warfare. And it's a language of prayer. And it's a gift that's open to everyone. 